And welcome into another episode of the Wanna Talk Sports Podcast. It's a beautiful day in Seattle today, Kyle. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. My Warriors, man. I, I, I couldn't even have foreseen how good this is going so far, man. The Dubs look dangerous right now, man, and I'm, I'm happy about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do. They, they have had two great games. I mean, Steph has been coming off the bench for them, which is really interesting. Yeah. Jordan Poole's been playing great. Clay's been playing great. Draymond does what Draymond does. I don't think this is super surprising, though. Some people are really surprised and, like, they're like Warriors, maybe they're looking like one of the biggest contenders. And I still think they are a contender. And we're going to get into this a little bit more. But I don't think them beating the Nuggets by 20 is a super big surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, I will admit, uh, and I guess we're just hopping right into it. So the, well, the first thing we were going to talk about is a review of the playoffs so far. So we're just hopping Let's right into it. it. Yeah, uh, I will admit that this is probably the worst possible matchup for the Nuggets. I mean, Nikola Jokic, as great as he is, and I think he should be the MVP. He can guard no one on the team. Yeah, <laughs> he can't guard. And so what the Warriors are literally doing with their three-guard set is they're just switching everything so that Jokic is always guarding one, either Steph, Clay, or Jordan Poole. Yep. Uh, and it's just tiring him out, and it's frustrating the hell out of him. And Draymond might be the only, one of the only guys in the league who's truly equipped to defend Jokic. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that after... Because the Warriors struggled for quite a bit there in that latter half of the season. And I think a lot of people were writing them off, saying, ah, you know, this isn't their year. It does feel pretty good to see that they do have that switch they can turn on in the playoffs. Well, I think the switch, though, is Steph Curry. They didn't have (laughs) Steph Curry for the last couple weeks, few weeks of the season. And they went in the pooper with how how well they were playing. Like Jordan Poole was still playing good, Clay was still playing good, but they were losing they, all these. They games. did win six straight games to close out they, the season without did, Steph, which did, I think was huge for them. They did close out the season strong, but up until that point, they were on a pretty bad cold streak. Dropped them from the two seed to the three seed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean the Warriors are looking good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Will the Nuggets get swept two series in a row? Ooh, Very uh, possibly. You, I, th- I think the Nuggets grab one game at home, though. I could see them grabbing one game just because of how tough it is to play in Denver in the altitude. And, you know, I... And they're playing against the MVP. Who I, who I think is going to be the MVP. You know, common logic, I would say the Nuggets should win a game at home. And this is not even my Warriors fan talking. This is just what I've seen from basketball. But the way the Warriors have dominated them so far. Yeah. And also the way and also the fact that the Nuggets are now fighting with each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had Will Barton and Demarcus Cousins fighting on the sideline yesterday. You also had Jokic getting two texts and getting ejected from the game. Yeah, but- yeah. Jokic has got a bit of a temper and the Warriors have done a good job of getting under his skin. Another team that we want to talk about that has really been dominating their series. And this was actually less, this was actually more surprising to me. This team dominating the way they have is the 76ers have been dominating the Raptors so far. Yeah, 76ers have been crushing the Raptors. Warriors are up 2 0. 76ers are up 2 0 in this series. And it's not terribly surprising just because this, this Raptors team, while they are a capable team, they don't seem to have the firepower that they once did. Even though Fred Van Vliet's great, even though Pascal Siakam's great. They lost Scotty Barnes to injury, which it is a big injury. That is a big them. injury. Scotty yeah. Barnes has been a great, great player for them, um, but they, I mean, it people expect this Kawhi-like season from the Raptors, and not necessarily for any reason, but just the fact that we had that season with Kawhi, people kind of remember that and put the Raptors as one of these teams that I mean they've contended in the past, but now they don't have Kyle Lowry, yeah. who was huge for them, just a veteran presence, a facilitator of the ball, 
And yeah, it's they're just getting overpowered by by Joel Embiid and James Harden. And I'm not gonna say like I never expected them to actually contend for the championship or no. anything like that. But I did expect them with the way they played at the end of the season, with how good they are defensively. I did expect them to give the 76ers at least a challenge, you know? Right. And, and I think I think going home. Yeah. I mean, playing in Toronto is mm-hmm. always a bit different. I think they'll get a game on the 76ers, especially because this is Nick Nurse is a great coach. Like, and, yeah. And Matisse Thybulle's not gonna be able to play. Yeah. So. And Matisse Thybulle's not gonna be able to play, which isn't the end of the world. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> Matisse Thibault's a great player, but he's still a young player. He's a role player. Like, but yeah, yeah it, it's been an interesting series, I, and I think we'll see. I think the Raptors will get one game again. But yeah, yeah, I th- I think that I think you're right. Now, one team that I don't think is honestly, I think they should just start stop the series now. Like the New Orleans Pelicans. Before we address the fact that the Pelicans are probably going to get swept by the Suns very easily. Let's address the fact that the Pelicans even made the playoffs at all. I mean, this, Ryland, I don't remember a team this bad actually finding a way to make the playoffs. Here's the thing about the Pelicans. <laughs> the Pelicans, honestly, they have a few really good players. Like, yeah. Brandon Ingram, he's not a superstar, but he's a great player yeah. and could be a player on a championship team. CJ McCollum, I mean, we've seen him be an all-star in the past. Like, he's a, he's a fantastic scorer. Obviously, Zion's injured for them. Uh, but Zion's a great player when he plays. This is a team that, yeah, I know, I know that's few and far between so far in his career, but he's been dominant when he did play. But I think I think the Suns should sweep them. If they got one game because C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram dropped 30 points apiece, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world, but... I don't think it's going to happen. Not going to happen. The Suns played like their C game in game one and still beat them by yeah, 12. Yeah, that's true. The Suns did not play their best. They, they were up at like 20 at one point, and then the Pelicans went on like a 14-2 to two run, and they just, they just looked really out of sorts. Then they put Chris Paul back in the game, and Chris Paul just, the, yeah, just crushed them. This series reminds me a lot of, I believe it was 20, the 2018 NBA playoffs, where the Warriors played the Clippers in the first round, and the Clippers took them to six just because the Warriors didn't really care in the first round. The Suns, I'm not to say the Suns don't care, and I think the Suns are going to sweep this series, but the only reason why I think the Pelicans held at least even at all their own ground in that first game was the fact that I feel like the Suns kind of came in like... A little, a little, <laughs> just kind of, ah, this will be fine. Like, don't really have to try super hard. But, yeah, that's fair. But seriously, I mean, when you look at the win differential here, the Phoenix Suns are went 64-18, and 18, which factually is one of the, fifth, I think, one of the 15, 20 greatest seasons in NBA history. I believe it's number 23. Number actually. 23, okay, okay. But it's still, I mean, one of the great, it's up there as yeah, far as great, great seasons. Season, yep. Yeah. The Pelicans went thirty six and forty six. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> this is why. I'm, this is what I'm saying, Kyle. This is why the plan should not exist because a team that wins thirty six games <laughs> should not make the playoffs ever. And they, they and they barely beat the Clippers, who were without their best player because without of without their two best players. Yeah, without Kawhi's their two best players. The yeah, exactly. Yeah. Paul George was back, and then he got COVID. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous i don't know how the pelicans are in the playoffs i mean good for them i guess (laughs) like it i feel like even the people in that organization can't be that happy they're like 
wow, we just won a third of our games and made the playoffs. <laughs> How did this happen? I, I will give them props on one thing. They started the season 3-16. and 16, Yeah. And they finished, in, and I mean, like, not to say that, they finished 33-30, and 30, which is not great, but I mean, it's not terrible. Hey, that's, that's called the C.J. McCollum effect. The C.J. McCollum effect. Yeah. Okay, now one series that's really surprising. Yeah. The Timberwolves. Coming in as the seven seed took down the Grizzlies at home in the first game, and they did it in a dominant fashion. Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards dropped over thirty points. Like Delo played great for them too. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns always is a stud for them. Is this? Do you think we could actually see an upset here? Well, well, because because the Memphis Grizzlies looked really frazzled that first. They did, game. they did, and just to give you, I mean, I mean, all of our updates are pointless because this is going to be posted within a day or so. But right now, the Grizzlies are beating the Timberwolves forty nine to forty four with five twenty left in the second quarter, so it's still a close game. With that being said, what you said about them being frazzled, the Grizzlies, really resonated with me because I think throughout this entire season, the Grizzlies have kind of had that like new kid on the block bully mentality, right? Which is that they're going to physically dominate you they're gonna dunk all over you uh they're gonna run you out the gym John Morant's like that guy that it was it felt like it was their it was their coming of age like they're fresh on the table they're here to dominate for a while and the Timberwolves in that first game kind of flipped that mentality on its head the Timberwolves went out there and they looked like the bullies they looked like the one I mean Carl Anthony Towns was absolutely dominating Steven Adams in that yeah, first half absolutely Carl uh, Anthony Towns looked like a man amongst boys and I mean that's the way we've kind of expected Carl Anthony Towns to look his entire career and it's kind of been off and on uh but yeah the Timberwolves went into Memphis and really just I mean they really just kind of went in there and stole the Grizzlies identity which is like we're the new kids on the block we're the ones who are going to bully you Anthony Edwards is not scared of anything no that kid that that kid's going to be a star for a long time and you know I still think the Grizzlies are going to win this series yeah. because I think the Grizzlies have have more talent yep. but you know what I once thought was maybe a 4 or 5 game series I'm thinking six or seven at this point. Like, the Timberwolves are, I mean, they're even holding their ground in game two now. Yeah, right? and honestly, like, I I think the Timberwolves have, a like, a more top-heavy team. I mean, Anthony Edwards isn't as good as John Morant by any means right now. John Morant's, he, he's a bit older. He's really stepped into his own this season. But Anthony Edwards is having a great season himself, a great sophomore season, really become a significantly better player, significantly more consistent player. Carl Anthony Towns is another star that they have on their team. And, and while D'Angelo Russell's probably not a star anymore, he's like he's like the best tier of point guard before you become a star. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's like not an all-star, but like like was an all-star, maybe could be in the future still. And like, I mean, the Grizzlies got John Morant. They got Jaron Jackson who really is a good player, great mm-hmm. defender. Um they have Desmond Bain, who's had a great sophomore season for them. But but star power-wise, I, I do think the Timberwolves like do beat them in that sense. And, and that doesn't mean they're going to win the series, necessarily. Because yeah. I think the Grizzlies are a better-constructed team and have just been playing better as a team this year. But that's all to say, like if the Timberwolves won this series, would it be the most surprising thing ever? E. Now, after watching game one, no. No, but, yeah. And I think we, we, we were talking about matchups, like with the Warriors and Nuggets, how the Warriors are the worst possible matchup for the Nuggets. Sure. I mean, I think, honestly, the Grizzlies are 
one of the better matchups for the Timberwolves. Just as far as like Beverly being able to match up against Morant, Carl Anthony Towns, the fact that, I mean, look, the Grizzlies have some size in Steven Adams and they have Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, but none of those guys are guys who I would really say can lock up Carl Anthony Towns. Like Carl right. Anthony Towns really can have his way in this series if he imposes his will. And you were talking about D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards, their ability to score on the wings and their ability to... Uh, their ability to drive and kick and get Carl Anthony Towns going. I really do think that this uh, that, that the Timberwolves really found themselves in what could what is the best possible matchup for them. Because I think if they were playing the Warriors, for instance, the Warriors would just switch everything onto Carl Anthony Towns yeah. and they would just do the same thing to Carl Anthony Towns or doing a Jokic. It would probably not work quite as well because Cat's a little bit more athletic than Jokic is. Right. But still, it's the, it's the idea that when you get into these playoff series, we talk about this in the NCAA tournament a lot, but it still works in uh, it still works in the NBA playoffs as well. As well, when you get into these series, a lot of it just comes down to matchups, like yeah. how you match up with the other team. And I just think the Timberwolves match up pretty well against the Grizzlies. Yeah, and also they're I mean, both these teams are teams that really don't have much playoff experience. Like yeah. even I mean, Pat Beverly might be the most experienced <laughs> like playoff player in this entire series. Which he's a great player. Like he does his job really well, but. But neither of these teams are like super experienced, so they're both kind of getting a first taste for most of these young guys. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of a young guy who saved, who probably saved his team season yesterday, J- Jalen Brunson dropped forty-one for the Dallas Mavericks against the Utah Jazz and uh, tied that series up and pretty mu- and gave it pretty much bought the Mavericks time because now it looks like Luka is going to be coming back game three or game four in Utah, and uh, the Utah Jazz once again blow a big opportunity to take a take a stranglehold on a series but what a performance by Jalen Brunson a guy who really came out of nowhere and just put his team on his back yeah absolutely I mean he's had a great great season this year he's really stepped up for the team he's averaged close to 18 points a game uh and he has been a player that like has stepped up for them when Luka was out during the season and I mean he did just that putting up 41 points I don't know. You want to check? Was that his career high this season? I'll check. Or, right or now. not even this season, but was that his career high in general? Like he had a great game yesterday, and yeah, dude, he really saved this team. Like you said, bottom time for Luca to come back. And that, dude, that got, was his career high. Yeah, he dropped a career high in game two of the playoffs against the Jazz. So seriously, a clutch performance. And I think if Luca comes back, when Luca comes back. I think the Mavericks won this series. Yeah, this is just a hard thing to rebound from if you're the Jazz. You pretty much had the series handed to you. Right. You were ahead in Game 2 in Dallas with against a team that didn't have that doesn't have Luka, and don't forget, they don't have Tim Hardaway Jr. either, which right. was a big part of their team as well, yep. that doesn't have arguably two of their three or four best players. You, went, you, went, you had a chance to take a 2-0 series lead coming back to Utah, and you can't close it out because Jalen Brunson drops 41 on you, and now yeah. it looks like Luka's going to come back. Yep. That's tough to rebound from, especially for a Utah Jazz team that underperformed this season. They only won 49 games after winning over 60 last year. And then, I mean, you, you also look at the Jazz. like This was a team that choked against the Clippers last year, so yep. you have to think that some of those nightmares from last year are starting to creep in as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think because of what we're seeing in this series, especially if the Mavericks win here, I think there's no shot this this Jazz team stays together. I don't think they'll move Donovan Mitchell because I think it would be crazy. Like he, <laughs> he really is a star in this league, and he's a player that like teams want to build around. Mm-hmm. I think Rudy Gobert will inevitably get moved no, if they lose this sure. series. And yeah, yeah. even if they don't lose this series, like I don't think anybody sees them winning a championship, and I think they're kind of 
coming to that realization that like this isn't the team that we're going to win a championship with. If they don't, if if they, because I predicted the Jazz to win this series actually because of Luca and because I thought they were going to have a chance to take a two zero series on the road, but they ended up coughing that up. Right now, I'm probably leaning more towards the Mavericks just because Luca is probably going to come back. But if even if they do get through the Mavericks, say they find a way to get through the Mavericks, they don't match up well against the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are probably going to probably gonna donkey stomp them and then you look at like the Mavericks definitely match up better against the Suns so either way I think that the Jazz we're probably seeing the end here of the Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert uh relationship that has been pretty rocky ever since COVID happened yeah <laughs> and so yeah. um and so, and so yeah I I think that definitely you're probably seeing Rudy Gobert uh getting shipped out of Utah pretty soon yeah then I mean we got a couple more series that we can just mention real quick we got the Heat versus the Hawks Heat took game one Looks like they're going to take game two. It's fairly close going in with a few minutes left, uh, but I expect the Heat to win that one. Uh, we also have the Nets and the Celtics, which, speaking of a good series, the Celtics won that game on a last-second buzzer beater. Beautiful pass from Marcus Smart to Jason Tatum with a spin move and a just beautiful layup to, to beat them 105-104. to 104. That's a series that I think we're going to really enjoy. No, yeah, I agree. I think this series is going six, maybe seven. Uh, the the Nets, I mean, Kyrie Irving was just mind-blowingly good in that game. And he was making everything. And he was giving the Celtics fans a piece of their own medicine. He was, I mean, I personally find it unprofessional. But whatever you think, I mean, he was flipping off the Celtics fans. He was talking back to them. He basically came out after and said he, that if the Celtics fans are going to trash talk him, he's going to trash talk them back. I don't know if that's the greatest mentality to have when you're just out there trying to win a game, but to each his own. Either way, Kyrie Irving played great. Um, he he was the best player on the floor, I think, the entire game. Kevin Durant did not have his greatest game. He kind of had a bit of a dud. But the thing that's tough for me about the Nets, and the reason why I think they'll lose this series ultimately, is that the Celtics are just so much deeper, and the Nets really do need KD and Kyrie to go off every single game. Arguably, and this is very much arguable because Jason Tatum is a great player, probably one of the top 15 players in the game right now, if not oh, top 10. Absolutely top yeah. 15. Um, this is arguable, but arguably the Nets are coming into this series every night with the two best players on the floor, yeah. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think I'd agree. The, fact, the, the problem is, is that after Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I mean, Seth Curry's a good player, but they just really can't match up with the Celtics after that. The Celtics are just so deep. They have so many options, so Al many Al Horford weapons. had like 20 rebounds yeah. too or something like that in that game. Yeah, and then speaking, we talked about D'Angelo Russell earlier, but do you remember that year where D'Lo re- led the Nets to the playoffs? Oh, and I, remember, oh I remember. Yeah, and everyone was talking about how the Nets were going to be this great new young team on the block. They had all these weapons. They were super deep. When I watched that game one, I got really sad because I realized the Nets pretty much just gutted their entire team to bring in Katie they, and they Kyrie. They got rid every person on that team yeah. I, I actually don't think there's a single player from that roster still there yeah yeah and you think about guys they got rid of i mean they got rid of jared allen spencer Dinwiddie. those are guys who are having who, who had great impacts on their teams this year and not just to mention a few um and really nicholas claxton might have been there i'm not 100 percent sure on that one. nicholas but. claxton may indeed have been there but yeah, I, and honestly, I just uh, I think it's going to be a good series. I think Katie and Kyrie are showstoppers, and they'll find a way to win two, possibly three. But at the end of the day, what we saw game one is, I think, what we're going to see most of the series, which is the Nets hanging around, the Nets making it interesting, but at the end of the day, the Celtics just having too much firepower. Yeah, and I mean, the Celtics did have to come back by a few points at the end of that game, but yeah, no, I, I, I still think the Celtics are going to win. I, I mean, that game didn't change my opinion at all, so... 
It's going to be a fun one, though. And, and then the last series to look at is the Bucks versus the Bulls, which, I mean, the Bucks won. They probably could have won by more. A lot of people were like, oh, this is looking like an old-school defensive matchup. No, it wasn't an old-school defensive matchup. The Bucks won while shooting absolutely <laughs> awful. Literally nobody could score a shot except for Giannis in that game. So, like, the Bulls... I mean, sure, if you want to credit to their defense, I guess you can. But, like, it was just not a great game on offense for the Bucks. Like, I expect them to steamroll through them the next game. Yeah, and the Bulls haven't proven... They've proven this year that they are absolutely inept against good teams. So, I I mean, maybe the Bulls get one at home. But other than that, I, I, I don't see any way that the Bulls w- win more than that. I think the Bucks are going to make short order of the Bulls. Yep. Um, well, anyway... That's a, I feel like we summarized the NBA playoffs pretty well. Let's move in to my favorite sport, and that is baseball. Major League Baseball. We are a week and a half into the season. We have some great storylines going on. Uh, it's been a fantastic season so far. Some, just to rattle off some news headlines here, um, the Los Angeles Dodgers, which I think uh, we all could have saw this coming. They're 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 really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so are the Mets, dude. The Mets are Mets really are good. Eight and three. Dodgers are eight and two. Both these teams are coming out really hot, dude. And speaking of the Dodgers, did you see Freddie Freeman hit a home run his first at bat against, against the, the Braves? Braves? That's brutal for Braves fan. Like hometown hero, <laughs> won you guys the won you guys the championship last year and. That's brutal. That is really brutal. I feel for all you Braves fans out there. Um, but, you know, that's just what happens when you don't lock up a franchise legend as yeah, soon as you can. Yeah, that's crazy. But, yeah, Freddie Freeman, it's so hard for him. It's so hard for me to have him on the Dodgers because I really like the guy. I think he's a super likable player. I mean, right. he's super, just super down-to-earth, super good guy, and he's on the team I hate the most. But, yeah, he had, he homered in his first at bat against the Braves. That lineup looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, per usual. Yeah, and then Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he pitched seven. Per, he had seven perfect ending endings a week ago against the Twins, and then they pulled him, um, which I'm disappointed we didn't get to see him finish off the perfect game. But with that being said, you know you're talking about a veteran guy who's dealt with injuries. The Dodgers are trying to keep him healthy, make sure he's good for a playoff run. It, it makes sense from the team's perspective, but from a fan's perspective, it's like, come on, man, let him finish the perfect game. Do you did you know that only twice in MLB history has a player been pulled in the seventh inning or later with a perfect game, and both Wolf times, no, 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 oh. both times Dave Roberts was the manager on the uh, Dodgers. He pulled Rich Hill in 2017. Okay. And he pulled. Uh, Clayton Kershaw in 2022. I did not know so that. So Dave Roberts just hates perfect games. That's what we're trying to say. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, the, besides the Dodgers, who seem to be the sto- uh, major storyline everywhere in Major League Baseball because of how good they are, Shohei Otani, he's back to doing Shohei Otani things. He's dominating on the mound. He's hit three home runs so far in the short season. Uh, his Japanese peer, Seiya Suzuki, he looks like the real deal. Right now he's hitting like 436 for the Cubs. He's got three home runs. He's, he's definitely the front runner for Rookie of the Year right now. Hey. And speaking of Suzuki, maybe the greatest (laughs) opening day pitch moment I have ever seen. We were at the home opener game for the Mariners versus the Astros. And Ichiro Suzuki pitched to Julio Rodriguez. A beautiful passing of the torch moment. And then the Mariners go on to freaking smack the Astros 11-1. That's true. Oh, it was beautiful. Every player had a hit. Except for Jared Kelenic. Jared Kelenic, I still believe in you. It, it, it's going to be okay. But Julio got his first hit at Mariners Stadium at T-Mobile Park in his first at-bat. And Eugenio Suarez hit a bomb 
right in the eighth inning. It was a fun game. It was, and that was a great opening weekend for the Mariners at it home. Was, and they yeah. took two out of three from the Astros. Besides the middle game where Verlander went eight scoreless and looked like vintage Verlander, yeah. it was pretty much all Mariners that yeah. series. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's another storyline. I will line. say Chris Flexen was also pitching that game, and obviously he got no hitting help, but like... Chris Flex, I need you to do a little bit better so far. So yeah, far, you haven't looked so good. He's definitely the weak link of that rotation. Um, speaking of guys who are having great uh, starts of the year, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh, my gosh. Three home run game against the Yankees. Just hitting bombs <laughs> everywhere he goes. Dude, ridiculous. Dude, that Blue Jays team, they're only 6-4 and four right now, but they, I mean, they got Vlad Jr., that- so they just can take off against anybody that's why i mean honestly at this point in the major league baseball season i don't even like mentioning records because yeah, it's fair. so early and like because like right now the rockies are seven and three do we expect the rockies to be one of the best teams in the national league oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well sure maybe ryland does. Uh, but uh but i do not personally um anyway uh but yeah that's another thing i was gonna mention mets giants and rockies all out to great starts as well uh, Giants are currently losing to the Mets right now in the second game of a doubleheader, so that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's pretty much all we got for baseball. Just want to run through those a little bit. I know Ryland's got some stuff to talk about. NFL in April? NFL in April? Honestly, one of my favorite sports <laughs> moments of the year. We got the NFL draft coming up in a couple weeks, and it's going to get interesting. This is, where, this is where teams start making a few trades, maybe. This is where you kind of see players... Not being locked in, because nothing's locked in until draft time, but this is where you kind of start to know where things maybe are going to fall into place. And Kyle, do you know what I keep seeing everywhere? What, that the Seahawks are going to draft a quarterback? I keep seeing that the Seahawks (laughs) are going to draft Malik Willis. (laughs) And I don't want them to draft Malik Willis. No, here's the thing. If they draft Malik Willis, I'm 100% rooting for the guy. I'm not going to boo him. I'm not going to boo the pick. If they think that's the guy, go and get him. Let him sit for a year. Let him like work behind Drew Locke and Geno Smith. But, but give him a little bit of time, and maybe he ends up being a great player. However, <laughs> I think either way we're going to have a bad pick or a good pick next year because we're going to be bad this year. And, and so... If you have this player that you take ninth overall, and say you end up getting the fourth, fifth pick, because honestly, I could see us falling that low, because <laughs> we really don't have too much of a team right now. You end up getting in the range where you're getting those top-tier quarterbacks, and I think next year, the quarterback class is much better than this year. And, and so it puts you in a tricky situation where we haven't really seen this guy play. We we think he's our guy, but like... We also have this guy that we feel real confident in. And so I don't want to be in that quarterback not really sure. Like, I don't want us to waste a top 10 pick. And so I think, like, if if a player like Sauce Gardner uh, falls to us, I feel like we got to take him. Or, like, there's some great offensive linemen at the top of this class. Even, like, Derek Stingley, the cornerback out of LSU, I think would be a great player for us. Because we, we really need to build other places first. Because, I mean, if we bring in a rookie quarterback right now, although they're not going to play this year, they're still going to, I mean, next year we still won't have too many new pieces. So Yeah, it definitely, I think that one theme we've seen, I think Joe Burrow has been the only one who's kind of bucked this trend, but we've seen with young quarterbacks is that they really are the most successful or only successful if you build a team around them first before you draft them. And so I, I agree with you. I think for the Seahawks, 
you know, to go out and get a guy like, uh, I know this, he's rated higher on the draft board, but get a guy like a Charles Cross or something like that, or an offensive lineman yeah. who you can build a team with, go and suck one year with Drew Locke, yep. and then and then, uh, and then then hopefully draft a quarterback next year in a much uh, in a much better class. As far as the 49ers are concerned, um, I mean, <clears throat> I think we need... Uh, I think we need another wide receiver. That's my own personal opinion. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, I just think we need to stop screwing up the situation with Debo Samuel. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> Speaking of 49ers receivers, what, what's going on there with Debo Samuel deleting all of his Instagram posts with the 49ers in it? Uh, like just just they don't. For, for, so as a Bay Area sports fan, I hold allegiances to the Giants, the Warriors, and the 49ers. And of those three fan bases, the one that sucks the most is definitely the 49ers. The 49ers fan base is a bunch of assholes sometimes. And to hear <laughs> and hear them tweeting I racist... I completely agree. As a Seahawks <laughs> fan, the 49ers are assholes. <laughs> and to see 49ers fans treat, tweeting racist stuff towards yeah, Debo Samuel... That's crazy. That's dude. messed up beyond belief. And, uh, yeah, I... Just give them, I mean, and now the 49ers are trying to play this game. We're like, oh, we want to give him his money, but he doesn't want to talk. No, it's because you fumbled the bag for like a month straight. Debo Samuel is a generational talent. This is a guy who I believe has a chance to be the next great 49ers wide receiver. A guy who I personally see paired with Trey Lance helping the Niners go on multiple different... Uh, you mean Jimmy Garoppolo, your starting quarterback. <laughs> God, the fact that he's still on the team is also just super confusing. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> oh, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. It's <laughs> but beautiful. It's just confusing. I don't even know how many thoughts. But him and Trey Lance, Debo Samuel and Trey Lance, theoretically should be the keys to what what should be a great 49ers team for a decade to come, a team that goes on multiple Super Bowl runs. And uh, it's just frustrating to see us mess, this up, mess it up this bad right now. And hopefully... Everyone reconciles and comes back together. I mean, the Bay Area is a beautiful place, so you know, moving from the Bay Area, you definitely have to really hate the organization to want to leave. So we'll see. Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully it all mends itself by the time we at least get to training camp and the 49ers can uh, find themselves going uh, contending for another Super Bowl. So yeah, absolutely. But I- I'm super excited for the draft. Obviously, we'll give you more updates when it comes along. Uh, we still got a couple of weeks until then, but. It's one of my favorite times of the year, so we're excited about it, and we're definitely going to be talking about it. All right. Up next, we have a very, very uh, exciting draft for you guys. We are going to draft each our five best NBA teams of all time. Um, Now, this is going to be – this requires a lot of research. This requires a lot of knowledge from years uh, that we were not born in. But uh, it's going to be exciting. And I'm going to give Rylan the first pick. So, Rylan, you go ahead. Yeah, well, you got the first pick last time, so I do get the first pick this time. Thank you. This is not a gift. This is a requirement. And I will take the best team of all time with the first pick. I will take the 1995-1996 Bulls. I mean, I'm taking MJ, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and second best record of all time. But I think they're the best team of all time. I think they would have beaten that Warriors team in a head-on head head-to-head series. Interesting. And yeah, I think that's a pretty easy first overall pick. Yes. Well, I could dissect that a lot, but instead, I'm just gonna make my pick, and I have two picks actually because it's a you snake do have two draft. Picks. <clears throat> you do. 
So with my first overall pick, I'm going to go with the 2000-2001 Los Angeles Lakers. Ah! <laughs> okay. Kobe and Shaq, okay. the, those guys were unstoppable that year. Okay. Uh, I, I think... <laughs> I think if there was ever a team that could challenge the Bulls, it would be this team or my second overall pick, which is the 2016-2017 Golden State Warriors. That's the year that the Warriors won 67 games with Kevin Durant. Oh, so you're not taking the 2015-2016 Warriors. Do you mean the ones that choked a 3-1 lead in the finals? Hey, best (laughs) record of all time. Not taking them. They couldn't finish the job. This Golden State Warriors team was a team that I think was overall better. They just didn't really care in the regular season because they knew they were going to make the playoffs and dominate in the playoffs. Okay. They went they they went 16 and 1 in the NBA playoffs. Only lost one game because Kyrie hit a incredible shot in game 4 of the NBA Finals in Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, I got those two teams. I would have liked the 95-96 Bulls, but if I if this is a consolation prize, I take these two consolation prizes any day. Okay, so. that's fair enough. I ooh okay. I gotta think about what I want to take here. Okay, I know one pick I'm taking. I'm taking the 2012 Miami Heat. I want LeBron. I want D Wade. I want Chris Bosh. I want. I want it all. I want it all. <laughs> that team. I mean, I think it's one of the biggest big three of all time. One of the best big three of all time. They finished the job. Great team. Fantastic team. Hard hard to argue there. The next pick's a little bit more difficult to me, because I feel like there's a few ways I can go here. I think there's one team, though, that I'd really be sad if I didn't get. And so I'm going to take the 2014 Spurs. Interesting. I want Tim Duncan, I want Tony Parker, I want Manu Ginobili, and I want Kawhi Leonard. They also finished the job. I mean, these Spurs teams from the early 2010s, I think they're some of the most underrated teams of all time. Tim Duncan, I think, is one of the most underrated players of all time. So I'm taking the Heat. I'm taking the Spurs. All right. So for my next picks, I'm going to go with the 1986-1987 Los Angeles Lakers. Oh. <laughs> Magic Johnson and Kareem. Gosh, dude. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to beat that squad. That squad was absolutely incredible. Uh, definitely, like, helped revolutionize the game of basketball. And then... I'm just going to move one year above that. I'm going 85-86 Celtics for my mm, next pick. Okay. So, uh, I mean, we're talking about... If you if you ever want a good sports documentary to watch, one of the greatest sports documentaries ever made was uh, is Lakers versus Celtics. Yep. Uh, the 30 for 30 series. Yep. A fantastic documentary. And those two teams were in two of the greatest teams in NBA history. And they just happened to be playing at the same time. I mean, Larry Legend versus Magic Johnson. Hard to get any more iconic than that. Yep. So I'm going to take both of them. I got both of them on my team. All right, so give me a rundown of who you got so far. So, I got the 2000-2001 Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. I got the 2016-2017 Golden State Warriors. Okay. I got the 86-87 Los Angeles Lakers, and I got the 85-86 Boston Celtics. Okay, okay. Well, oh man. With my next pick, I think, you know what, I think I'm going to grab a Celtics team of my own. Mm. I think I'm going to take the 2008 Boston Celtics. They only lost one more game than the 90 or than the 86 team. I mean, we got Kevin Garnett, we got Ray Allen, we got Paul Pierce, we got the truth Paul Pierce. We got Rajon Rondo. I mean, this was a great team. Took down the Lakers that year. Uh yeah, I think that's a fantastic team. One of the best teams of all time for sure. And then I'm going to go oh, rounding out my squad. Where do I want to go here? 
You know what? I think I'm going to go with the 1990 Pistons. I want oh. the bad boy Pistons. I want I want Ben Wallace. I want Chauncey Billups. And I yeah, I think I'm finishing my squad with that. I want the 1990 bad boy Pistons. All right. Well, my last pick. <clears throat> it, I was it was my wild card pick all along. Okay. I already have the 80s Kareem. Okay. But now I'm about to add the 70s Kareem. I'm going with the the 1970, 1971 Milwaukee Bucks with Oscar Robertson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My team's got a little bit of retro. They got a little bit of modern. Hey, that's fair, dude. (laughs) Dude, Oscar Robertson, so great. Like, people forget just how good he was. Uh, All right, let me give a rundown of my team, then we can give a rundown of yours, and we'll close it out here. So I got, with the first overall pick, I took the 1995-1996 Bulls. I took the 2012 Lakers, I took the 2008 Celtics, I took the 2014 Spurs, and I took the 1990 Pistons. All right, and I took the 2000-2001 Los Angeles Lakers, the 2016-2017 Golden State Warriors, the 1986-1987 Los Angeles Lakers, the 1985-1986 Boston Celtics, and the 1970-1971 Milwaukee Bucks. Well, there you go. Well, there will be a pull-up on both of our Instagrams. Pull up on the Wanna Talk Sports Podcast Instagram. You can follow me at Ryland.Kelly. Kyle, where can we see you? You can follow me at KMorrison101214. That's beautiful. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. It was another fun episode. Hope you all have a great day. Yes, indeed. Have a great rest of your week, Seattle.